0: invite you to pray with me. Gracious God, give us humble and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. Hear now God's holy word for us today from James chapter 4 verses 1 through 10. Those conflicts and disputes among you Where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. In order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Friends, this is the word of faith that we proclaim. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, after all these weeks, I'm beginning to believe that the reason we don't hear James preached often is frankly because it is hard. And typically, we are programmed to shy away from what is hard rather than to meet it face on. Sometimes what makes certain scripture hard is that it serves as a mirror, so to speak. We often see ourselves in it, and sometimes we don't like what we see. For myself, I certainly can confess that to be true. James is addressing members of the Christian community who gather in the name of Jesus Christ, but whose attitudes and actions are not always in friendship with God. I believe it is fair to say that this letter could have been addressed and sent to any Christian community of modern times, including our own. Too often, conversation Not conversation, conversion. Too often conversion is seen as a once and for all thing. But James sees that conversion is never complete on this side of heaven. There is always double-mindedness, even among those who truly want to be friends with God. The wisdom from below, or earthly wisdom that was addressed in chapter 3 last week, isn't easy to abandon or void because it is the way of the world, inscribed not only in the language and literature of our surrounding culture, but also in our very hearts. If we recognize this, we will better be able to deal with the ambivalence experienced by all believers, even after an initial conversion to faith. Complete consistency in life is not given by a first commitment. It is slowly and painfully won through many conversions. This awareness gives us deeper insight into what James means in chapter 1 by faiths being tested through many trials. So what keeps us from that full friendship with God? Here are two thought provoking explanations from one of my favorite Bible study authors. She says, Part of that comes from our insatiable flesh nature and sinful discontent. Another part sprung from the dust in God's busy hands when he molded us in his image and set eternity in the hearts of us. She goes on to say, Our eternal souls were purposely fashioned for more than this world can spare. We long for a better place, a heavenly one. In fact, the whole concept of faith assumes something we're hoping for and have yet not seen. In those ways, unrequited desire will be stuffed in the backpack of every sojourner marching to Zion. The word translated as cravings, or in some translations, desires, is from the Greek word hedon, from which we get our English word hedonism. This term implies the very physical feelings associated with bodily appetites. The sense is not of the inherent evil of desire, but rather the conflict of desires that cannot all be satisfied simultaneously or without one canceling out the other. Today, James is pointing to our cravings that are at war within us as the source of our conflicts and disputes. One commentator tells us that James is using the Greek term, Broadly, including the desire that not it that it's not just physical pleasures, but also for the headier wine of power and honor. As hard as this scripture is to swallow, when we come to verse two, where he says, You want something and you do not have it, so you commit murder, we may find ourselves taking a collective sigh of relief as none of us have committed murder but what if James is using the term like Jesus did in the sermon on the mount when he said you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times you shall not commit murder and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment but i say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister you will be liable to judgment And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. Similarly, the apostle John in his first letter said, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. You may remember this from last fall when we were looking at the Ten Commandments from Jesus' point of view. Anger and hate equate murder. James reminds us and makes it clear that murder is dead wrong, whether it comes from the hand or the heart. We are given an opportunity for some deep self-reflection from detail in verses 2 and 3. Let's review what James tells us here. You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. So under these circumstances, Why don't we ask, what holds us back? Well, our hesitation can be one of the first signs. If we can't straightforwardly ask God for it, he's likely not in it. James told us in chapter 1, verse 17, that if it's a good gift, it's a God gift. Likewise, if it can't come from God, it can't be good. We may not feel we can ask him for something, but we can tell him anything. The fact is, he already knows. Psalm 38, 9 says, Oh, Lord, all my longing is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. James goes on to remind us that not only do we not ask, but sometimes we ask wrongly. This is when our requests are simply to fulfill a lust or asking with the guise of one motive when really it's another. Quite often, our intentions are neither completely pure or impure. They are such a mixture of the two that we don't know where one leaves off and the other one begins. But, thank goodness, God knows and nothing has the capacity to keep us from falling like the certainty of God's gaze penetrating through all our pretense to the heart of our desires. Only he can sort out the blur of our intentions. We need to check our hearts And talk to him and pray for forgiveness if he reveals ungodly intentions. God is never deaf to our sighs. In chapter 3, James wrote about the two pictures of wisdom. If you remember, we talked last week about worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. The conflicts and disputes referred to in today's scripture flows from the worldly wisdom that was permeating the community of faith. This leads us now to take a look at the two pictures of friendship that James presents to the community of believers. James declared that some friendships just don't mix. Like oil and water, God and this world are not compatible. In chapter 2, verse 23, James tells us that friends of God are those who believe in his ways and are righteous. Today in chapter 4, he tells us that friendships of the world are enemies of God because these friendships cause us to turn our hearts from God. Friends, let's look um, to God's word to remind us of what some godly friendship looks like. First from Exodus chapter 33, it says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend and from John chapter 15 no one has greater love than this that someone would lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. Friends, Jesus not only chooses disciples, He chooses friends. Friendship with Jesus lasts, and so does its fruit. As Christians, we comprise the bride of Christ, and in eternity, no higher honor exists. But in the earthly realm, that glorious identity comes with our salvation and not necessarily with our practice. Because Christ died for our sins and we have received him as our savior, we are part of his bride, whether we act like it or not. Friendship with God, on the other hand, comes by practicing the elements of that beautiful and almost unfathomable relationship. So, what practices does James specifically speak to here? Humility and submission. The words of St. Augustine are appropriate here. St. Augustine said, Give me the grace to do as you command, and command me to do what you will. God is merciful, gracious, all-loving, and he willingly supplies all we need to obey him. God is tirelessly on our side. In verse 6, James says, But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's think on this. Let those words soak in submerge yourself in them like a water vessel sinking to the bottom of a well, surrendering to the weight of the water. Think of all that weighs on your heart and then let that water vessel become a cup. Don't just agree to be filled, but immerse yourself in this verse until all that weighs you down drowns. Because, friends, the words of James four, six, are life-giving water to us. Without them, we would destroy ourselves and one another. So if God has greater grace and we have greater need, what is the holdup? How on earth does his lavish grace flood our emptiness? By a command that we can well understand, submit to God. Put yourself under God, In the HCSB translation, which is a modern translation or paraphrase of the Bible, we find a repeated verb when James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, and then tells us to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. By this repetition, James is telling us to be deliberate in what we resist and what we draw near. True beauty comes in verse 10 when James says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Giovanni Bernadone was born in Italy to a wealthy cloth merchant. His father, Pietro, was furious that Giovanni's mother had named the boy in honor of John the Baptist. Thus, Pietro renamed the child Francisco or Francis. Francis led a pampered and frivolous life, dreaming of heroic exploits. During adolescence, he joined the militia and was captured during his very first battle. He endured a year in prison. Upon his release, Francis encountered a poor leper and reconsidered his religious beliefs. Imitating Christ, he renounced all his belongings Including the clothes he was wearing, and accepted total poverty. Now we know him today as St. Francis of Assisi, the founder of the Franciscans who devote themselves to preaching and caring for the poor and sick. Someone once asked St. Francis how he was able to accomplish so much. He replied, The Lord looked down from heaven and said, Where can I find the weakest, the littlest, the poorest man on the face of the earth? Then he saw me and said, Now I have found him and will work through him. He won't be proud of it. He'll see that I am only using him because of his insignificance. James said that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because of his wealth and position, Francis started out as a proud young man seeking only adventure and acclaim. But humbling himself, he was given great grace to change and live a life that counted for eternity. Friends, when we resist the cravings that are at war within us, that cause conflicts and disputes among us. God will not only call us disciples, but he will call us friend. When we submit and humble ourselves before our God, we don't have to lift ourselves up. He does the lifting for us. Amen.